Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Glad to see everybody today. <clears throat> I found a friend of mine sent me a little known fact this week, and I got to read it to y'all. More so for my sake to lighten things up than for you, okay? But after digging in the depth of 10 feet last year, outside Buffalo, New York, scientists found traces of copper dating back 100 years. They came to the conclusion that their ancestors had a telephone network more than 100 years old. Not to be outdone, <clears throat> the New Yorkers, in the weeks that followed, a Los Angeles, California archaeologist dug in the depths of 20 feet somewhere just outside Oceanside. Shortly afterward, a story in the LA Times read, California archaeologists reporting and finding a 20-year-old copper cable. They have concluded that their ancestors already had advanced high-tech communication network over 100 years earlier than the New Yorkers. A week later, a local <clears throat> newspaper in Montgomery, Alabama reported, after digging 30 feet deep in a pasture near the community of Prattville, Alabama, Andrew Bullock, a heck of an engineer and a self-taught archeologist, reported that he found absolutely nothing. Andrew, <clears throat> Andrew has therefore concluded that 300 years ago, Alabama had already gone wireless. <laughs> makes a person proud to be from Alabama. <laughs> now that did light me up, okay? <laughs> Visitors, welcome. We welcome you here. Uh, we ask that you fill out a Connect card if you have it already. And um, feel free to come back. <clears throat> and uh, all of our regular people, you know how to go online or give, or we have a giving box in the back. On Wednesdays at 6.30, we have Bible study with Pastor Ray and a youth meeting with Bryce Lovelady. Next Sunday, we have the worship service again with Pastor Ray. Thank you, Pastor Ray. Uh, youth retreat, and oh, how I miss these. They had them way back when. <laughs> in March, the 24th and 25th, everybody be praying for our, our youth at Count Pollock, ages 6 through 12. It's $35 a person. If you can't afford it, there's somebody in here that'll help you out, I'm sure. Um, also, I have a card from, um, from Priscilla that they had asked us to read. Dear Cypress Street Family Church, thanks so much for a small world to express the gratitude we feel in all the things you have done for me and my family in our time of grief. Thank you for the love and support you've shown with your prayers, cards, phone calls, gift cards, help with Larry's service, food that you provided, the donations of Gideon Bibles for Larry and Cheyenne, and most of all, your generous, loving support. I thank God for having a church family <clears throat> who reaches out to those in need and help in a big way like no other. Everyone is truly a blessing to me and my family and we are so grateful for all of you. Continue to pray for us as we go through this very difficult time bearing the loss of Larry and Cheyenne. 
Pray that God will comfort and ease our pain. May God bless you with all your, for all of your thoughtfulness, your kindness, and most of all, your generous heart. Truly, God is good. The Worsham family, PJ, D, Robert, Cliff, and Mike. Uh, I was uh, listening, or James usually listens to Fox News, and sometimes I'll tell him, you just got to turn that off. Everything's just too depressing. I can't handle it. But in my devotions this week, part of it was in Psalms. And it's just like God said, this is for you, and I'd like to share it with y'all. I will love you, O God, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my strength in whom I trust. My shield and the horn of and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from my enemies. And that's a promise that you can count on. And I'd like to open with, uh, with prayer before we start to sing. <clears throat> we just ask that everybody bow your head. Thank you, O Lord, for your promise that where two or three are gathered, you're here in our midst. Lord, we welcome you amongst us today, and we celebrate the gift of life that you have given each of us. We ask that you would open our ears so that we may hear your voice, open our minds so that we may receive your eternal wisdom, open our spirits so that we may know your leading and guidance, and open our hearts so that we may receive your wonderful love. We ask all of this in the glorious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Join us in our praise worship. Why don't you stand with us this morning where two or three are together. We can raise this roof with praises to our Lord as well. We have some beautiful songs to enjoy this morning. I'm redeemed. What better way to express yourself than really singing out?
<laughs> Another beautiful song, Wonderful Words of Life. Feel free to sit while we sing in Christ alone. Scorned by the ones he came to save 
Be seated, and children, you may go back to your classes at this time. Ray's over here dancing. Did y'all see him? That music? Oh, okay. Just his legs. Okay. Uh, our prayer request today is uh, Pastor-elect Dan and Lynn Masters. The, our college, the college revivals that are going on in different universities. Baby Wyatt Crawford. That's a praise the Lord. Is he home? Yay! He's home. Um, that is a miracle. Joe Ellen Crompton, um, Larry Lawson, Vera Edie is now at the guest house. She would love some visitors. Uh, Brad Chipman is home, gone back to work. He's doing great. Uh, Judy Josie, Sheila Mathis, those are Tammy's aunts. Jackson Hall, um, Ukraine, Turkey, Syria. And if you have any prayer requests, call the church office. It's listed. And also, if you have a prayer request that you want to um, have a, on the prayer chain, call Karen Odom, and her number is listed also. Pastor Owens, 
thank you so much for filling in for us. We have enjoyed it. That God has really blessed us with some good um, pastors that have filled in the pul pulpit while uh, we were without. We had a really good service last week. So you did good filling that, filling the pulpit while you were gone. Come on, dog. If you would, we'll go to the Lord in prayer this morning for these needs. And uh, I also would appreciate your prayers. My right ear is plugged this morning, so I'm hearing uh, real good out of this ear. Uh, so if you talk, I might do that. But uh, I'm, I'm facing some challenges, as you well know. And I know there's perhaps others. So uh, as you bow your heads, if you have a burden, a need, someone that you've been praying for that's lost, would you raise your hand as your heads are bowed? Raise your hand, please. Thank you. Father, you see our hands and you know the need that is there. And Father, you care about us and everything that we face. And God, you are in the healing business. You're in the saving business. You're in the restoration business. You're in the recreation business. You are amazing. You are a God of love. A God of power, you're our creator. Father, we just pray that you would meet every need that we cast to you. You tell us, Lord, to lay it at your feet, and so, God, we lay that at your feet. On this list are, as Sister Donna read, there are a couple that just miracles, uh, Lord. And Baby Wyatt and Father Several on here that, that just you've touched in mighty ways. And, Lord, many of us in this room... Uh, you've touched in mighty ways. Some are here today because you touched them this week. So God, we give you the honor and the praise and the glory for that. We also see that there are some that have lost loved ones and there's a significant void and hurt that only they and those who've lost loved ones can understand. But Father, you're able to reach down and carry them, use us to love on them. And Father, we just pray for those as well those in transitions in life that go to the nursing home. Lord, those on hospice. Father, for all those needs that we have there. Around the world, our missionaries, those helping in the tremendous earthquake that was in Turkey and Syria area. Father, the war that continues in Ukraine. All these and many, many more, Lord, here in our country, a need for revival and we praise your holy name for what you're doing on these campuses. And Father, we pray that it spreads across this country. Father, we need you. Every hour, we need you. Amen. Amen. It's an honor to uh, be with you, and thank you for letting me have last week off. And got to see my grandson who turned 12. And when you only have one, it's all, it's all there in one spot. Uh, I want to uh, also honor the church and thank you. A lot of you don't know this, but you know when you're a part of the church, even if you aren't here on a Wednesday night, but Wednesday night we uh, had a, a homeless man show up and he came in and uh, started participating. And you see this picture up here. Uh, he's actually on your prayer list, Jackson Hall. and. Uh, he, he, bless his heart, he, he's got a lot of struggles. He's, you know, served, served some time in prison. He's uh, had uh, 
seizures. In fact, he had a seizure uh, the other night. But anyway, we, we loved on him. He said he's closer to the Lord than he's ever been. And we talked to him. And the, your church, you, put him up in my hotel. We got him food. And, he, and we blessed him with Captain D. So, you know, he's, he's covered. And then from there, uh, the next day, uh, we got him. And he, he was heading home. He wants to go home. He'd been in Texas and Laurel, Mississippi. Well, there's no way to get to Laurel, Mississippi from here. Uh, so we, we researched everything, tried everything, and we found that there is a Greyhound bus if God's involved in it and if it shows up that comes to Monroe. It was a lot of ifs. And uh, they can't buy a ticket there, so Dana on her phone for about an hour bought a, a ticket. And we put him on a bus, uh, supposed to leave at 10.55. I think it left at 12.15. And the picture you see there is a smile on his face of Brother Jackson Hall when he arrived in Meridian, Mississippi, which is only 50-mile walk. He said, I can do that. Um, I'm not sure I could walk 50 miles. But uh, this church, just without any pastoral encouragement or anything, I was back there trying to find out and getting him checked out and dealing with all the stuff you, you, you have to do, uh, collected about $205. Uh, and pretty much took care of all of this to get him there. And this is what it's all about, brothers and sisters. I'm very proud of your church. Your missions, outreach, when a need is here, and the spirit was right. Did it take effort? Yes. Did it take money? Yes. Did it take time? Yes. Uh, were there some obstacles to overcome? Yes. But when you've done it to the least of these, who you've done it to? Who? To your personal Savior. So I want to brag on you. I want to tell you. And even if you weren't here, you're a part of this church. You give. You support. This church believes in helping people and outreach. And it happens all the time. I just wanted to share that. We've helped in many other ways. So thank you. If you'll take your outline, it's on the back of your uh, sheet there. I've got a couple weeks here, sermons, uh, uh, before we kind of get into our building to Easter, and uh, felt led to share on making my life count. And today I've got a few questions for you. And the first one is, why are you here? I don't mean in Cypress Street this morning, but why are you here? You know, I felt like in the last 30 years or so, 20 years ago, God used Pastor Rick Warren to really reach out around Christianity in, in America with his Purpose Driven Life series. That we all have a purpose. And I think God really spoke and used that. And what are the secrets of a satisfied life? I mean, how can you really be satisfied? How can you uh, have, you know, find purpose in, in, in life? And of course, how do I make my life count? I have a scripture I'd like to read. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation this morning. Psalms 139, just the first six verses. As all of you know that's been coming here a while, Psalms 139 has become probably my, my go-to chapter of ministry. When I was at Bible college, there was a speaker that shared this message, and it just overwhelmed me and I think really solidified 
my call and then God has used it many, many times to speak to me. And this first part of it says in verse 1, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel or when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. Sorry, Jesus. <laughs> you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. And a key verse here, verse 6. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. And then if you have a pen and want to write this down, Ephesians 3, 6 through 19. It's real easy to remember uh, 3.16, we all know John 3.16, just remember sometime Ephesians 3.16 and then add a few verses to it. Paul puts it this way, he says, may you experience the love of God although it is too difficult for you to understand. In other words, try to understand it. Try to understand the depths of his love for you. And that's very important to try to do that. That's what David's saying. I, I can't get it. But try to get it, okay? Because the love of God is beyond anything we can even begin to understand. The love he has for you, not just the world, you. And I love that when we take John 3.16 and you put your name in there. For God so loved Bryce. God so loved Ray. God so loved Terry. You know what I mean? You make it personal because it is. God's love is amazing. So on your outline, I've got a few things about, I actually have five reasons why God holds the keys to your purpose. And the first one is God created you. In other words, who you are. This is your identity. Your identity. And you will not fully know who you are until you discover who you are in Christ Jesus. Because of the fall, God created us and God creates us in our mother's womb. That's, uh, we'll talk about that a little bit later, but Psalms 139.14, I think, or 13, somewhere along there. God created you in your mother's womb, but he created you and that's your identity. That's who you are and it doesn't get restored until there's a personal relationship to Jesus Christ. Therefore, we can become who all God wanted us to be. And here's what Satan does. Satan spends every energy trying to stop you and make you something else than what God wants you to be. And I think that's the nutshell of everything. Satan wants you to not be what God created you to be. And he'll do whatever he can, whatever it takes, whatever the sin is that so easily besets us, whatever our struggle is, our self-worth, our what maybe our father told us, what things we face, addictions, all these things to bring us down to not be what God wanted us to be. God created you and it's to give you your identity. The second thing, God designed how, how you are, your complexity. God made every one of us pretty complex. Uh, anybody ever felt like nobody really understands me? If you've been married as long as I have, you're still learning, you know? And Dana and I both have degrees and professions that 
are supposed to learn all that stuff, and I still learn things. I got in trouble when uh, we built a home, and God blessed us. We built our home. I was uh, served as kind of the contractor and had great builders and all these subs and people that I'd taught through the years and known. And, you know, we, we designed this house, and Dana's very creative, as you know, and you know, we're building it, and at the end of it, it ended on a magazine, so the newspaper sent this uh, uh, reporter to our house to interview us with a tape recorder. Y'all remember these things, cassette tape recorders? They were like this, kind of like Sony Walkmans. Well, anyway, and they interviewed us, and I was just saying, you better have a good marriage when you go into building a house. I didn't know certain things were as important to her, and she didn't know certain things was important to me in building a house. And that was true, and that was good, but when it came out in the newspaper, it said they almost got a divorce over this house. <laughs> that's what, <laughs> I don't know if that's literary freedom, <laughs> but it sold more papers. So I had all these people calling, I'm so sorry about you and Dana, <laughs> you know, and all this stuff. It was funny, it was crazy. Have you ever longed for somebody to accept you who you are? Well, here's the thing. God accepts you just as you are. I love the song, we don't sing it enough, just as I am, without one plea. We got this tendency somewhere along the line that we've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstrap or get ourselves straight first before we can come to God. And the opposite's true. Wherever you are, wherever the circumstances is, that's where you come to God. And God designed you. He knows. And I want to tell you, no human is ever going to understand you like God because he puts you together, remember, in verse 13, in your mother's womb. Thirdly, God placed you where you are, your community. God placed you where you are. It's your community. God is sovereign God knows circumstances of your life, and he puts you in this family. He puts you in this church. And sometimes I think Satan's involved when you really have a purpose and you're doing good, he'll start this deal to going in your heart and mind. Well, maybe it'd be better if I go over there to another church or if I move to another city or I do something else. Now here's what I'm saying. If God calls you to another city, another place, another time, and he's doing it, and you really know that he's doing that, and you've received advice, go do it. I mean, if God called you, do it. But I think a lot of times, the grass is always greener. You follow what I'm saying? Satan uses that. And I love Irma, Irma Bombeck, bless her heart, when she says the grass is always greener over the septic tank. But the longer you stay there, the more it stinks. That's awesome. Because I know a lot of young people that want to go to the big city. And I mean, don't get me wrong, somebody's got to go to New York City and spend a million dollars to own a piece of air. Get on your deed. 700 feet up by 30 feet by such and such with GPS coordinates. Now I want to own 100 acres of land. You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Not airspace, you know, that a plane might fly through, by the way. My point is, you know, we need people that go there, but a lot of people want to go where all this is going on. Is that where God wants you to go? That's, that's the key. Do you realize you'll never and I'll never find peace and satisfaction unless we're where God wants us to be? 
But wherever you are right now, wherever God planted you, that's where you're to grow. That's where you're to be what he called you to be. And that's here right now. And you ought to be very proud of your church, proud of where you are in your life, that you're doing what God called you to be. Don't look at what somebody else has and how much better it is. In fact, thank you, Jesus. I'm glad for that. But this is where God called me to be. And I think there's some dissatisfaction. And I know particularly in another church I worked with with a lot of young people, there's always that constant, it's better somewhere else. You ever had a bad thing happen and God had a way of turning out to be a good thing? I've already told you the great theologian Garth Brooks wrote a song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayers. I went to my 10th reunion, I've shared this with you, and when I saw the girl I dated, I thanked God for unanswered prayers. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Fourth, God gifted you. This is what you have. This is your abilities and gift. And he gives you in multiple ways, brothers and sisters. God gives you natural abilities, genetic abilities when he's creating you. And he gives you supernatural spiritual giftedness. And even with your parents and your upbringing and some of the challenges God can take what didn't really work out and turn it into good. So there's even a transformational giftedness that occurs. And it's so important, your talents, your gifts, your uniqueness. And since God's given you the gifts, knows all about your family and everything, he's the one that knows what you need to be doing and how to use it. And finally, God will judge me and you what we've done. This is our destiny. There is a destiny. So we all know that when it's said and done, you're not going to stand before Brother Ray. You're not going to stand before Mom and Daddy or Grandpa or Papa or anybody else as good as they were, whatever. You're going to stand before God. And that's the guy who created you. That's who created me. That's who we stand before. So when I say the keys to your purpose, if you realize your identity, your complexity, your community, where you are, your abilities, and yes, your destiny, all belong to God because he created you. And, and I think with all that said, I think it comes down to this. Who do you want to please? We want to please God. And if we please God, we'll find very good happiness. So I'm going to talk about that. How can I have a satisfying life, a sense of purpose? First of all, reciprocate the love of God with all your heart. So God created you. I talked about how much he loved you. Your purpose will not be satisfied with any outward thing. Now, you can get temporary satisfaction with outward things. There are chemicals that can fake get your body doing things and having things to give you a satisfaction temporarily, but you're never, ever, ever on the outside gonna be satisfied. It's gotta come from the inside. And the loving relationship that everyone desires including marriage to the proper person, even that amazing thing, the mystery of that and how God designed it, and it's totally a God thing, that thing, as amazing as it is, is nothing compared to, and it can't be what it needs to be unless there's that relationship with God first. 
first and foremost. I've had so many college students and young people ask me, you know, why, you know, I deserve better. Why don't God have the right person? And I don't know. Sometimes I just, maybe not in a good mood or something, and I just go, you know, you really need to work on yourself first. You're worried about that person, but really, no offense, but I'm kind of seeing there's some issues with this that we need to get straight, because if it was my daughter or son, I'm not sure I'd want them with you right now. Does that make sense? No. Let me turn this here. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. I thought I, okay. Just checking. You know, we grasp at everything to fill that gap. Christians do it with stuff. We might do it with a job or a title or money or prestige, but it's not going to fill the hole. And I remember as a young person meeting some very wealthy people and famous people and, and a couple times getting to talk to them and they're not happy campers. They're not full. Look at Hollywood. All the people in Hollywood, California, what do you think the long, let's don't even talk marriage, long-term relationship rate is in Hollywood, California? Not good. In fact, if somebody makes it 10 years, they probably get a star. You know what I'm saying? It's a miracle. It's insane. They're not happy with themselves. They're not going to be happy in that kind of relationship. Couple scriptures I have for you, Ephesians 1, uh, 4 through 5. It says, Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us. His unchanging plan has always been to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus. So, through the sin of Adam, we're separated, and the whole time God sent Jesus to pay the price, set things right, and not just there, but to adopt us. That's why I said, when we it's probably not the proper thing I used in a sermon a few weeks ago, but that's why we like choose to be orphans when God adopted us. And, and I think we choose that sometimes. And then Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, the first and greatest commandment. We're reciprocating what God did to us. We're not doing anything he hadn't first done to us. You get what I'm saying? We're just giving back. And then another one, and how do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth your soul? In other words, you know, sometimes we see people and, and David talks about it and the Bible talks about it and uh, Solomon talks about it. People that seem to just, you know, have pretty good health, they have lots of money, they might have power. They're miserable, we don't see that, but you know, that's, but here's the thing, even if they get it all now, What's eternity going to be like? And remember the scriptures that talk about, and then I saw where the wicked would be. And then I wasn't, I was like feeling sorry for them. Does that make sense? That's the translation. It's true. I love this. A seven-year-old girl came from school, walked into the kitchen and says, Mom, Billy Brown kissed me after class today. Her mom gasped, a seven-year-old. How did that happen? Well, mom, it wasn't easy. Three other girls chased him down and held him. <laughs> Look at me just a minute. 
The God of heaven is chasing you down and wanting to give you a kiss. Now I know you men, and there isn't any man in here any more of a man than me. I'm not bragging, I'm just saying. I know we ain't, aren't all into all that stuff and that kind of thing, but I want to tell you, I want God to kiss me. And after being in other countries, particularly in the Middle East, I don't know if you've ever been greeted by somebody, Carver, I'm sure you probably have some place you travel. You know, whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa, we don't do this. <laughs> you, know, kind of, you know how they do, they just do that, it's a different thing. But here's what I'm saying, the God of heaven, or as some have said, the hound of heaven, is chasing you down, wanting to tackle you and love on you. So if he's not doing it, it's not God that's having the problem. It's Billy Brown or Ray Owens or whoever's running and not letting them catch him. He's trying to catch us. He wants to have that kind of relationship with me. And I'm glad he's been chasing me. And I tell you what, don't you ever, 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 ever give up praying for that child, grandchild, parent, whoever it is, because God does not give up. We might give up. I've given up. I've given up on somebody I prayed for so many years, and I turned it over to Dana. I've had prayer. I'm tired of prayer. I'm just being I'm sick of it. I prayed so much. I've given, she'll pray a while, and then I'll turn it over to somebody else. In other words, some water, some, you know what I mean? And then finally, God did it. It's neat to see him work. Number two. So the first was to reciprocate the love of God with all your heart. Second is reflect the character of God in all you do. Many people talk about God's will for their life. And it's really many times very narrow. And don't get me wrong, God can be specific and very detailed like he was at the miracle of Dobson's place. You know, he's got it all figured out to the date and all this, and we we're all worried about it, and he's got it all laid out and working it out that we heard that testimony a few weeks ago. But what I'm saying is we think God's will for our life, it's got to be the perfect job. I gotta have the perfect job, my goodness gracious. No struggles. I have to have the perfect spouse. No problems. I'm gonna tell you right now, ain't gonna happen. Okay? And I know that's not good English. I'm sorry. You know, I have to have everything perfect. You know, perfect car, never going to break down. That's not even going to happen. Everybody knows the most reliable cars, who they are, probably Honda or something like that. Got a friend's got a Honda. Bought one the same year as me, although I bought it when it first came out and he bought it later. And he got the V6 and the real transmission. I got that new transmission at Honda has it has belts or something in it you don't hear it shift and you know that was a change for me it turned out good well it's not even got 70,000 miles on it and the transmission's going out now Honda's going that ain't right we're going to fix it uh, praise the Lord because that was like $5,000 but my point is even Honda can't get it right you know and, and we, we just think I got a neighbor that is looking for the perfect lawnmower this guy loves to mow his yard. He cranks it up every day and rides around looking for a blade of grass. <laughs> Bless his heart. And I love it because his yard's great. He put an irrigation system. He spent thousands of dollars in his yard. It just makes me look bad. But, you know, my point is, it's, that's neat. That's his thing. But there's no 
perfect such thing other than God. But here's what I'm saying. God's more concerned how you do what you do than what you do as far as an occupation and all that. And I think we sometimes get that if I have the perfect job, the perfect spouse, the perfect all this, the perfect car, everything will be perfect when it's an internal thing. And God's much more concerned how you do what you do. So you can be in college first year and you can end up being a medical doctor 12 years later or whatever. The point is God wants you right now in freshman year to do what he wants you to do now. Not wait and study and then one day I'll do the right thing or do whatever. Does that make sense? I'll find satisfaction up there. We should be satisfied. We have a goal and there's something we're putting off. But as a whole, we need to be doing it right now where we're at. God doesn't get glory out of your occupation. God gets glory of how you do what God gifted you to do. And how many of you think that God can be pleased by someone who's a pastor? Once in a while he can. How about somebody who's an electrician? Can God be pleased with them? How about a law enforcement officer? Yeah. How about a teacher? We got a bunch of teachers. I need to make sure we got that, that base covered. I'm running for president, okay? <laughs> how, about, how about president of the United States? Uh-oh, I see you looking funny. Now, just because it hadn't been done yet doesn't mean that, that it can't be good, okay? I, I know. How many people cry out, oh God, what is it that you want me to do? And God says, do what you're doing now to me. In other words, let the day's own trouble be sufficient for the day. Y'all ever heard that before? Matthew Okay, do what you're doing for me now. So some of us are visionaries and we're thinking about, oh, what we got to do and down the line and I don't even want to tell you to look at my schedule. Like this is crazy. And, but I need to sometimes go, no, what do I need to do now? And if it's talking to Dana or talking to you or whatever I'm doing, I need to do it all. What does God have for me in this moment for this time to be now? couple scriptures, Colossians. Work hard and cheerfully. Work hard and cheerfully at what you do as though you're doing it to who? The Lord. That's pretty clear. You must live in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ as citizens of heaven. We've got to live in a manner that's worthy. And then don't hide your light under a basket. Instead, put it on a stand for it to shine. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. You don't tell everybody your good deeds. You just let them shine so that everybody will praise God. And when you're asked about it, say, man, if it wasn't for the Lord, you know, he's the one that gave me the strength. Or you don't know how much a jerk I am. It's Jesus. It's all Jesus. You know what I mean? Give God credit. So... We need to reflect the character of God. Not wait till everything's perfect. I don't want to bust your bubble, but I guess I better. It is never going to be perfect on this side. I said it. I know there's only three of you that don't understand that. The rest of you are going, that's right. Because you've lived and breathed. And you've eaten places. And it wasn't perfect. 
It's not perfect on this side. It's not going to be. So you live every day and moment for God. And if you once in a blue moon do what he wants you to do and God uses you, it is good. And even when there's failure, you might have planted a seed or watered it. You follow what I'm saying? For the future. Thirdly, if you've been saved, redeemed, and chose Christ as Lord, we've talked about this in our last sermon series, reach the lost children of God through your witness. I, I just know I keep coming back to this, but it's so important. One of the reasons that your God redeemed you and I is to make us ambassadors. He saves us, he gifts us, and we're to be his ambassadors to reach the entire world through you and I. I can't believe it. We're it. We're his hands. We're, feet. we're his feet. We're, we're it. That's what he's chosen. Now, he gifts us with the Holy Spirit, but we're it. And we all know the Great Commission, go make disciples. We, how do we do it? We receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon us so we can be his witnesses everywhere, including Monroe, Louisiana, West Monroe, Louisiana. And God has given us the task of reconciling God to these people. Like the guy we just showed the picture of, Jackson. God had us for about 48 hours or however long it was, 24 hours, in his life to try to do and there was a lot of talking that we did and listening that we did and I had to overlook some stuff. <laughs> I had to overlook some smell. <laughs> I had to overlook some things. But during that time God's using you and us to reconcile. Does that make sense? We use relationships we have with our family, our friends, and our co-workers. People we're praying for that we talked about about five weeks ago that we're praying for. And even strangers like Jackson. We, God uses us and, and, and we're to draw them to Christ. Holy Spirit will work in that and draw them and God uses us. And it's beautiful, it's beautiful to reach the lost children through the witness. Did you know there's people in your neighborhood, and you might be very proud of your neighborhood, maybe you live in one of those gated communities, I don't know if anybody does or doesn't, I had not had a chance to go to all your houses. Uh, there's two types of gated communities. One of them, you know, you have to buzz in and get approved and go in and stuff, and it's a gated community. And then there's these gated communities, especially in Dallas and other places and you hit and you go in, there's security and stuff and you live in a nice house. Did you know there's prisoners in both of them? Did you know that? I'm going to blow you away. But I guarantee you, you've got neighbors who are prisoners. I don't, I don't think that's, I don't think you're getting it. They're in a prison. They're not set free. You could be on a jet plane flying all over the country jet setting and be a prisoner. You could be locked down in solitary confinement and be set free. Paul, anybody remember him? Read about it. And I mean, if he really wanted to get out, he could get out. You know, he could just pray or something and the jail bars would break out and all this stuff and he could go, but then he still stays. Because he's free. <laughs> he's free. Wow. Finally, last point. 
If you're going to really have a satisfied life, I believe, and make your life count, this is so important. Release the gifts of God through your personal life ministry. Those gifts I talked about earlier, release them. I said earlier, first of all, you all have natural gifts. And it's funny, sometimes, you know, the Bible talks about be careful about when you're telling somebody off that you might have a log in your eye when you're trying to, like I'm trying to take the speck out of Bryce's and he's got a couple specks I'm working on and all that. But it's kind of hard to do a good job if I've got a big old tuba four stuck in my eye. Well, it's sort of the opposite too and all. You know, sometimes another person can look at you and see a gift you have. And that's where we need to encourage one another. You all have gifts, and I think we don't do as good a job in the body of Christ of encouraging one another. I see your gift. You've got a gift of hospitality. You have a gift to do things with your eyes, hands, and all that. You can build stuff. You can, whatever the gift is, you can speak and teach. Yeah, we might know those people, but you know what I mean? Whatever gift it is, use it for God. God gives us divine gifts. Some of us, it's just communicating. Some of you, and, and of course, you know, when we think of communicating, we think of preaching and teaching, but nowadays there's social media. And my goodness, has God not used some people with those gifts for his kingdom? I'm not into that, but I'm telling you, the churches and the groups that have that get going are doing a good work for the Lord. Serving children, nursery, adults, youth, all those kind of things in serving others. Oh, do we not need encouragers? What, wouldn't it be neat? My gift's encouragement. I like encouraging people. I like mentoring people. And boy, mentoring can be frustrating. Now let me tell you about a mentor. A mentor is not your best friend. Yeah, you're all right. You're good. No, a mentor, yeah, they, they build you up when they see something good. But when there's something not right, guess what a mentor say? Okay, let's, let's stop here and rethink. Or they might even go, what were you thinking? Let me understand that. You know what? God's given some of you in this room financial and administrative ability and giftedness. And that's where we come in. And we, we, maybe we teach or help or, or give advice. I'm constantly with young couples and now even older couples going, hey brother, tithe to God, put him first and tithe to yourself. And, and, and you know all that. And then we're not having to take 25th love offering for you. You know what I mean? God's giving you, let's, let's work on this. You know, we can do that. We can do those things. And you know, I added this, God's gifted some people with art, creativity. Sister Donna made funny of me because I did my legs. I'm just sorry that music, when the kids are dismissed, makes my legs move. It's probably a seizure or something. I don't know, but it, do, 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 it just makes me want to run back to children's church. Um, and maybe it's because I'm going to preach. I want to run back to children's church. I don't know. But my point is, it, it does, did you know? I mean, I was raised, if you dance, you go to hell in five minutes. You know, the old, <laughs> you know, don't chew, don't talk to those who do, don't do anything. Uh-uh. And then I started reading the Bible. It talks a lot about dancing. Now, don't be like David. Have some clothes on when you dance. And yes, there's terrible dancing. But here's what I want to tell you. Satan takes things that are good and turns them into evil. 
But let me tell you, I have been to a place and I've seen a spiritual dance or I've seen things and it was good. It glorified God. Nobody had weird feelings. It was nothing. And definitely you can be in your house and dance. That's only, that's just like I told you, I can, we Wednesday night. I am an amazing singer in a car by myself or a shower. Something about that water takes that sound. And of course I'm deaf in one ear. <laughs> but it's good. You see what I'm saying? Where you're worshiping God and you're, you're using the gift, the skill, the trade. And you go, well... You know, I, I know right, right right now, I know technology. I know, man, this church needs that, right? I mean, I'm just saying, think of the, whatever skill you have, any gift, God wants to use it. Every member of the body of Christ, God has gifted, and it needs to be used for the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. All right, this is something I want you to look at. Put that one up, that next scripture, if you have it, Ephesians 2. Okay, this is really good. I'm going to let you, it says, for we are God's masterpiece. Say that, for we are God's masterpiece. Turn to the person next to him and say, you're a masterpiece. Not a piece of, a masterpiece. Yeah, you're a, you're a masterpiece. <laughs> in other words, God created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do good things that he's planned long ago. God created us to be his masterpiece. There, God does not make junk. I cannot understand how anyone in this place cannot feel value. We need you. God needs you. And then once you realize that, what do you do? The Bible says to fan into flames. In other words, there's a little spark in me. I realize, hey, I, I might can do that. Or I did it and I, I didn't die. I remember the first time I had to speak, I thought I was going to die. I don't know how that happened. First time I was going to teach at a college, a guy got sick. I thought I was going to die. My goodness, not, did, I mean, did I know? I'm telling you, I thought I was going to die. It was an accident how it all happened. And I was a graduate student. Fast forward, I'm not bragging on me, I'm bragging on God. Fast forward 10 years and I'm favorite professor, Baptist Student Union, on and on and on, and only teaching one or two nights a week and winning all the awards. My point is, that's what God called me to do. And I was doing it and he blessed it. Fan into flames, that spark. So if God puts a spark in you, a calling to children or youth or a, 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 hey, I can use my skills for the kingdom or to help churches or, or to help the people like Jackson or whatever. In other words, fan it into flame and use it. Let it blossom. And then guess what you do? Then you move over and you start mentoring other people. And you see their spark. And you go, hey, God did this for me. God can do that for you. Does that make sense? And it keeps rolling and going. And here it is. We're all parts of his body. Each of us has a different work to do. And since we're all one body in Christ, we belong to each other. And each of us needs, and each of us need each other. So what are we doing for the body? It's not just that we do it, it's that we do it well and we develop that. I have a, a worldly person, Ralph 
Waldo Emerson, who said, every calling is great when greatly pursued. I want to tell you, there's some wisdom in that. Even the world knows this, that when, when you have a calling, put some energy in it, pursue it, go for it, become the best you can be. So I have a question, are you greatly pursuing the spark that God has in you? And the spark might change. Like with my ear deal, I thought today, I said, man, maybe if I could get out and run, you know, and just start running and bouncing the pavement and hot and sweaty and have fluids going here and there, you know, sweating. And then I thought, I'm 70, almost 70 years old. I don't have knees anymore. You know, I can't do that. What was I thinking? You know what I'm saying? Kind of come to, and I go, well, I can walk. <laughs> or, well, I can walk up a hill. I can go to ULM and climb the stairs one time, and that's equivalent to six marathons, you know, for me. In other words, you just have to, you have to adjust it when you get a little older, but it's still there. I'm reminded of an illustration of a son who was born in extreme wealth and he did very, very well and there still was a lot of sibling rivalry going on. By the way, all God's children have issues. We don't say problems, issues. All of them. Rich people do, poor people do, we all do. And they had a lot of sibling rivalry and he was off in the big city making a lot of money and all this. And he, mom's birthday was coming up, dad was gone, mom's birthday was coming up and he saw an advertisement for a special bird. This bird could speak 5,000 words in three languages, sing four operas, but it cost $50,000. He ordered the bird, had it sent to his mother for his birthday. He got the confirmation that it arrived the next day and uh, he couldn't wait. He said, I'm gonna beat all my, that's the best birthday present she's ever gotten her whole life. And how many of you know when you buy a gift for somebody else, it might be what you want. <laughs> you, might, you might think it's great. I, I got some of those gifts, have you? That you go, and he go, bless your heart. You know, when you get it. Well, he's so excited to call his mom about the, uh, the $50,000 bird and how it was. And so he gets her on the phone and he says, next day, he says, Mom, how did you like that bird? She said, it was delicious. <laughs> He was speechless. And then he said, tell me it's not so. Now that's funny, but it'll preach. Did you know, it's like God's given us a $50,000 bird to give us days and maybe years of joy and you know what I'm saying. And we just consume it and go on. We don't, we don't develop it. We don't use it. If we consume it for ourselves, it, it's not effective for the cause of Christ. And so I think it's important that we, we realize the love of God, the character of God, how important it is to witness for God, but also the gifts of God that he's given us. And I wish we had more time. I, I wish in one way we could maybe even study on Wednesday nights about our gifts and how God gives it. But I want to challenge you to involve yourself in ministry as long as you breathe. And if you're in the nursing home, you can be in a prayer ministry. You can be in a card ministry. You can be in a card. Yeah, there, there's never an end to it of what God can use you for. And we, I don't know what each one 
uh, gift is, but this I do know. Do something for the Lord. And at the bottom of the outline, I said, God made an incredible investment in you and I. Let's make sure we use it well for his glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, you've gifted us. You've called us. You've loved us. Oh, I rebuke Satan. How he tries to tear us down and we don't really feel we're that good or we're not good at this or good at that. And Lord, forgive us as church members that haven't encouraged others, Father, to get involved or been willing to step aside, Father, to, to let them rise up or anything we've done. But God, let us realize the secret to a satisfied life is a perfect relationship with you because there will be nothing else perfect and the things that we face in life father will have struggles and there will be victories to overcome and you are the one that will give us an eternal victory God may we run to you when we mess up may we run to you when we're on the mountaintop Lord we need you every hour we need you Father, I pray that every person that hears my voice will hear your voice say, I love you. I made you. I've got a plan for you. I'm not through with you. And God, can we be your ambassadors and make a difference in this world? I thank you for Jackson and how you use this church body this week to make a difference in his life. And I pray, God, you'd challenge our hearts to be open to being used by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Won't you stand with us? This beautiful, beautiful chorus. Change my heart, oh God.
I was listening to um, Jack Hibbs this week, um, and he was talking about uh, in the Jewish culture, once you are adopted, you cannot be disinherited. They can disinherit their own children, but they can't disinherit a, chi a child that has been adopted. And in the verse that you read in Ephesians, long ago, even before he made the Lord, God loved us. His encouraging, unchanging plan has always been to adopt us. It just hit, it's just, that's just such a wonderful, wonderful um, promise. Let's all pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for meeting us today and bringing us in words of encouragement. Help us to go this week and be your feet, your eyes, your mouth. Help us, if you, I, I've seen it happen before and before, if you ask somebody, ask the Lord to send somebody your way to encourage and to help, he'll do it. Help us to be mindful, Lord, of our surroundings and the needs of others. We ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And remember circles.